This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When the spawn meets world. What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bra Meets World. When the spawn meets world. Your boy meets world fancast. Hey. I'm Siege. I am Tony Curtis. How are you, sir? Uh, I am doing really, really well. For those Siege, of you who can you know, stop? Yeah, can you stop yeah. right now? Because I'm looking at your hoodie right now, and it seems like it has our logo on it. Is there news it about does, this that we should guys, know? This is the season six. <laughs> this is the season six report card, and we have a lot of announcements going up to you uh, today. Starting off with our morning announcements, bright and early, we're going to get right into it. We have, I believe they call it merch. We got merch. We got merch. We got merch. We got we got hoodies, we got shirts, we've got glasses, mugs, uh, stickers, pens. Uh, you guys, uh, this is no no denying. Pod was very very helpful to us, and they've inspired us, and we got merch. So you guys have been asking for merch for the longest time, and we finally got our act together. We have some incredible merch for you guys to check out, and we are going to keep adding fun shirts and a bunch of things to the store. So, um, yeah, guys, we encourage you go and support our pod. Check out a shirt, maybe gift it to a friend. You know, just they create great stocking stuffers. Yes, it is June. Yes, it is June, but still, stocking <laughs> stuff. I mean, you need that hot tank for the summer, and we, hey. got, you, we got you covered. We got you covered. <laughs> um, also, announcements. I believe you guys know this by now, but uh, we were on season two of Pod Meets World doing their, their season two wrap-up. So go over there and listen to that. Let us know what you guys think. I am not being facetious when I say that they are literally our best friends in the whole wide world. We have <laughs> talked to them multiple times. We've hung out with them. I've had personal conversations with them. They are basically our best friends, and I dare anyone to dispute it. Okay. That's, you know, strong statement. But either way, we appreciate you guys listening to them. We appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, we just, we're really excited about this next chapter. Uh, but before we get to that next chapter... Uh, we have an entire season of our own to cover. Absolutely. Um, and we're really excited to kind of talk to you guys about this. So that leads us to a segment we're calling Class Discussion. Um, you guys have been so great with your feedback um, and reaching out to us. And because of that, we wanted to take some time during our uh, Season 6 report card to hear, hear from you guys, hear from our listeners. So in doing so, uh, I have a few letters from listeners that i want to cover if you want to listen to this feel free if you want to jump straight to the report card feel free to do that we'll leave the timestamps. but um this our first letter is from bonnie um and bonnie says Corey was never my favorite character but i think i've always gave him a pass for the most part in reference to sean largely because sean loves him so much your podcast has really helped me to see that he's even problematic in terms of his relationship with Sean. I was definitely the kind of person who, like Sean, was willing to put up with anything in order to just keep a best friend, who was always around and on some level cared about me. Also, I never really loved Topanga. She was already, she always irritated me in the later seasons, from the pig episode onward. She's self-righteous 
that she drives me crazy, largely because she reminded me of someone I knew in real life. However, I'm also realizing from your discussions that it's just that the writers had no idea how to write for a woman, essentially feeding into the bias that was already toxic around me, making me hate being stuck being a woman by a cruel twist of fate, always relegating to being a supporting character who only served to help others achieve their dreams. Major bummers, my dudes, but thanks for helping me recognize it. Bonnie. What do you have to say to wow. Bonnie? Wow. How about that Fan- strong? <laughs> Fantastic comment from Bonnie. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, I, I think that her journey with Corey is really interesting. Like, this idea that I liked Corey because Sean liked Corey and I've had friends that I've allowed, you know, just because I wanted to be friends with them, allowed them to treat me however, really kind of goes into like the boundary issues that we've seen with Sean this season with him kind of letting Corey kind of do whatever he wants without there being any real consequences to it. Um, And I thought what she had to say about Topanga was also really interesting because like her, I also didn't really care for Topanga's character as we got towards the later seasons and it's for the reasons that we she stated like we're seeing that the writing just isn't there it doesn't feel like they knew who this character was to expand upon her um and yeah yeah so all of those insights I, I found to be really interesting what about you oh absolutely I think that uh what is a very interesting thing that we could have explored if we don't really this season but the idea of your friends kind of getting tired of your own bullshit You know what I mean? Like, there's this thing where we've mentioned it several times in season six. It seems like the the characters themselves, as well as the writers and the actors, are just kind of, like, over it. It's like, oh, we're doing this again. And that happens in real life. There's plenty of friendships where it's like, oh, you're going to make that same mistake again? Oh, this is what, oh, this isn't, like, a learning thing. This is a choice at this point in time. Okay. You know, like, 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 and, and nothing like mean towards the cast or whatever when we say that, like, they're at this point where it doesn't feel like anyone's hearts are really in it anymore because th- these are comments that they've said themselves about the later seasons, about being Correct. burnt out, about being mentally checked out. Like, this isn't something, um, that we're doing to insult the, the the makers of the project, but it just feels like everyone has been doing it for so long that the love is kind of starting to fade and the care that was, you know, put into each episode just isn't quite there anymore. So. Absolutely. Um, all right. To keep this going. Uh, our next letter is from Soraya. I want to say Soraya. Okay. Soraya. Um, she says, hi, I was just introduced to your podcast while discovering pod meets world. And I love it so much. I listened to my baby Valentine and resurrection. And I was so happy y'all went in on Corey <laughs> because mm-hmm. I thought I always felt like I was in the minority preferring him in the earlier seasons and hating him in the later seasons to the point where the last season is really hard for me to rewatch. I hate how his misogyny and selfishness is never called out by anyone or when it is, it's somehow turned around on them. Also, I listened to your chick like me, which growing up was one of my favorite episodes. And so I was anxious to hear your perspective because I knew you guys would go in. I agreed with so much of what you had to say, but there's one thing that I was hoping y'all would touch on. One of the things I noticed was that it actually seemed like Sean really enjoyed dressing slash pretending to be a girl. He had already picked out a name and seemed to imply that he'd studied women's walk and movements, which to me seemed more than sexual. 
Like, I definitely felt Corey's drag was played for laughs, but with Sean, I kept wondering if another non-TGIF universe, it would have been explored more. One more thing from Soraya. I often wonder if Corey's obsession with Sean is slightly sexual or romantic. I felt that a lot in this episode. Like, I know that he sometimes do a bit with Sean and Corey are a couple, but Corey definitely seemed attracted to Sean in this episode. Um, which is the Chick Like Me episode. All right, so Soraya, again, you guys are giving us your heavy, heavy, heavy uh, discussions. We're really happy to talk about this. Uh, T, what do you have? Well, first of all, yes, we are in season six, but happy to go back and discuss any of the past episodes. Um, I know a lot of you guys are following along with Pod Meets World, so as you get to these episodes, please feel free to restart these conversations with us. Chick Like Me, season four, episode 15, um, one of my favorite seasons of the show, and that episode, like her, was one I grew up watching and enjoying, and the fact that she pointed that out, I knew immediately what she was talking about. There was something about Sean that felt so natural and comfortable as a woman. As soon as he put a dress on, it just felt like it wasn't a costume the way it was with Corey. It felt like something that was like authentic in a way. I it, it, she's she's like like everything she said is one hundred percent accurate <laughs> because I got all of those same readings from there. And yeah, I mean the sexual thing between. Corey and Sean in that episode is interesting because Corey can't help but checking out Sean but like why like it's all very interesting it's all I very have interesting. a lot to say in terms of this first of all thank you again for writing to us uh I love this observation to me and this is like where I stand now you know some distance from chick like me I would say that um I I've had friends I had like a um a heterosexual male friend come up to me and was like, hey, I kind of like was interested and curious and I bought myself this dress and, or this skirt. Um, and he's like, I just liked the way it made me feel. And he's like, I write in it sometimes because it just like gives me the confidence or whatever. And he's like, does that mean something? And I was like, well, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'm not an expert. But I will say that if it gives you confidence and you feel the most comfortable in it, then just do that. Like clothing is clothing. And I think that one of the things that I've really learned to embrace, um, and I feel like the younger generation really has learned to embrace, is that clothes are in fact just clothing and yeah. anyone can wear anything they want to. It's about self-expression. And I would say that Sean most likely has in fact studied women. There's like some, one of those things where it's like, in order for him to kind of like advance in life, women was one of the tokens that like gave him a sense of success. So sure. I could see a world where it's like he is just fascinated by it. Not necessarily anything to do with his own identity, but more so just really embracing the, the intriguing, beautiful, fascinating, na fascinating nature of femininity. You know? Totally. I mean... I once you get to the point where you realize that everything is a spectrum, you kind of realize that there aren't any really hard rules, dude. If you like putting Correct. on a skirt and writing in your journal, bro, do live your life. Do you? Correct. Like, there's no rules. And, you know, I, I would be interested to hear your thoughts on this um, kind of headcanon I'm forming about um, the correlation between um, LGBTQ rights movements happening socially 
and the rise of androgynous fashion choices because Absolutely. it feels like there is like if you go back to the 80s there's just that connection there and i wonder if that's something that's happening now as well so it's just a, a lot of interesting stuff to, to just kind of break down but yeah there's no rules bro i 100 percent agree and i think that what it is is like when you realize that certain rules were only made to in fact cage you in you feel more comfortable breaking other quote-unquote rules or mm-hmm. norms and that's if anything that's exactly why certain people have a problem with progress because they're like oh these rules help me in my worldview yeah. and what happens when no one else wants to adhere to my worldview sure. um and i think that you know that's unfortunate for those people but for those of for those who are brave enough to actually question and want to identify what works best for them, I think I think that this is uh, great. Both the uh, androgyny, the non-binary, the experimenting, all of that. Uh, and then to hit on her observation of Corey's sexual attraction, we have always said that Corey and Sean are homoromantic. Um, and if anyone, like homoromantic is completely different from homosexual. Homoromantic is they have a bond where they treat each other like romantic partners. And there is a love that's there. Um, a and codependency. So, codependency, absolutely. So I can also see a world in which if you have that homoromantic relationship with someone and then they begin to present as a sexual option, you are taught to chase and desire there would be some kind of confusion there. There would be a little bit of blurred lines, not in the Robin Thicke way, but like in, <laughs> like just in the, you know, like, huh, hmm, that's doing yeah. something, you know? You know what I mean? 100%. And like, maybe you're not a dude who likes another dude. Maybe you're just a dude who likes dudes in dresses. Like, it could just be, like, it doesn't have to be this like firm, like, oh, you are this, I'm going to check this box now. It's like, bro, just go with it. Just go with the breeze. It's like, it's not that serious. Absolutely. Our next letter is from Katie. Katie says, so my parents divorced after just about 20 years of marriage. The mm. Panga's parents reminded me of that, that after nearly all of childhood together, they decided to just be done. As a child of that, I reacted pretty much like it didn't happen or something. I don't remember, but It was a challenge to deal with it then and now. They can't even stand each other after over 14 years of marriage. That was weird for me. Totally agree, though, that they should have just kept the parents still as hippies or even had them check in occasionally on their minor child who was still in school when they left. Do you mind if I reread that entire thing? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about this. This is kind of messy. No, no. Our next letter is from Katie. Katie says, so my parents divorced after just 20 years of marriage. Panga's parents reminded me of that, that even after nearly all of adulthood together, they decided to just be done. As a child of that, I reacted pretty much like it didn't even happen. I remember um, it was a challenge to deal with, and now they can't even stand each other after 14 years of marriage. That's my weird input. But totally agree with you guys that they should have kept her parents still as hippies or even have them check in on their minor child occasionally who was still in school when they left. Uh, What do you have to say to Katie? I think this is the response to our um, final episode, State of the Unions. 
Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking in that episode. I think I specifically mentioned that, uh, you know, my parents divorced when I was much younger as a child. So I was questioning what, like, what, how big of a motivation it was for Topanga in terms of, you know, her relationship with Corey, you know, rethinking the wedding, rethinking love, like, would this have the same impact on her? And it seems like the overall consensus is yes, that, like, what she's going through is a very, um, you know, typical... Uh, reaction to you know this family unit breaking apart that you kind of thought was going to be forever um so yeah I, I think there probably is a little bit more truth to that and a truth to her character's motivation I think the big thing that was hard for us was just that her parents seemed to be so insignificant in her life in general that I was just like oh is this really going to change her day to day um but i i think it's just kind of more this this concept this, this idea of like i thought something was going to be forever and it wasn't and so what does that mean for me so absolutely uh i have to say and i think i've said this before but my partner his parents have been together literally his entire life uh and they continue to do so and i remember once i just said something about like their relationship may not be what you think it is mm -hmm. and he got so upset because like for people like that is if that is your example of like consistency and love will uh persevere and everything else people like they they feel very very protective of that if mm -hmm. that's what's getting you through uh, and that's like your idea of like true love. So I absolutely think that when you start to question someone's foundation, like their foundational principles about what they believe, sure. you're going to get some pushback. It's going to be emotional because again, you're changing who they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, final email, our second final um, is David. David wrote, the Eric and Sean scene uh, while hilarious and very Will and Ryder, kind of ignores the history of the show as much as the Jedediah plot. Again, I think this is a response to uh, State of the Union, uh, episode 622. They act as if they've never spoken to each other before, which I theorize is the reason Ryder and Will incorrectly remembered that they had never been in the scene. As they're discovering on Pod Meets World, Eric and Sean consistently had scenes together, especially in the first few seasons. But because the writers only remember about 10 episodes back at any given time, we're supposed to go along with their scenes as if they're basically strangers. Um, so yeah, that is that scene in State of the Unions where um, Eric and Sean are just like, oh yeah, we don't really talk to each other. We're like, but you guys do. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hear that comment and I 100% I know what they mean. Like there are definitely instances that I can think of where Sean and Eric have interactions throughout the show. I think what they were touching on in that episode and what we were kind of commenting on was this idea that like, why can't they be closer? Why can't they be good friends? Like I, I you know, one of the things that's really interesting, like for example, you and I weren't really that good of friends in high school. It was only after high school that you and I became really good friends. And it would have been interesting to kind of show that like friendships can evolve and change. And like the person who was your best friend's best friend is now your best friend. And that happens all the time. And like, it would have just been really interesting to kind of um, have them develop a relationship that was a friend, a true friendship that didn't have to do with Corey or Jack. And I think that's the thing that I was commenting on, but they're absolutely right that there is interaction between the two characters. Well, it's actually funny because as you and I spoke about in that episode, Sean's essentially Eric's adoptive brother. Like it's, yeah. 
it's one of those things where it's like it would be one thing if he was just Corey's friend but it's like you lived with him twice once with your parents once while you were in college you've um seen him grow you've met his family like it's like you are so ingrained in each other's life and yes while you don't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that you have like a lot of one-on-ones you guys have had one-on-ones and there should be a little bit of conversation and trust i don't know like to that to that point when you think about how much we've seen of jack rachel and eric this season just remember that last season Sean was Rachel. She was in that apartment. Why is it that he is not have he didn't have the same interactions with Jack and Eric that Rachel is having when she doesn't even have the history that Sean brings into that equation? So it was just strange that we saw so much of Rachel interacting with these two characters and we never saw Sean interacting with them really on their own in a significant way, specifically Eric. All right. Um, the last thing, and like feel free if you don't have an answer to this one, but Pumpkin Spice Hottie says, hi, guys. Love the show. Are there other podcasts that look at 90s shows slash pop culture run by Black creators? Uh, I would love to support. Um, You know, I'm sure there are. I don't know that I have a ton off the top of my head right now. I will say Uh, right off the bat that we do know that um, the show No More Late Fees is mm -hmm. half, um, like one of the hosts is Black female there. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely fantastic. We love them. We had a really fun conversation. Check out that conversation with them. Um, We also have Melanin Marvels, who Mm -hmm. we have done. So if you look through- 80s, 90s, 2000 vibes podcast is also Black Run. Um, There's The Keek Show is POC. Like there's definitely some ones out there that you can check out. This season, we tried to be really mindful of having guests on who were people of color or marginalized groups um, because we want, we too want to support. So if you guys have ones that you want us to check out or if you have other um, ones that we miss, please feel free to to share with us. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, okay, and then I think we have a audio yeah for the you know okay so i i feel kind of bad because i don't really know how to pronounce the names of these girls i think they're sisters and they live in turkey and they are obsessed with boy meets world they have been <laughs> writing us and court like corresponding with us on our um instagram page and i have tried to pronounce their name zainab i want to say and i believe that they wrote an entire like uh like video essay about the psychotic episode, the episode in which Corey is pushing people down the elevator. Um, and I just think that might be relevant for the for the clip that we're going to hear. So I actually like this episode because we haven't seen Lauren for a really long time. And Lauren uh, represented the alternative pathway in Corey's life as uh, it was a really a different girl than Topanga. And he was so determined uh, to marry Topanga because they had met at a really early age and he thought she was his soulmate. So yeah, seeing her at that moment um, and uh, the fact that they acknowledged she represented an alternative pathway in his life was really imp- was really significant. And uh, she was the only one that was jumping from that elevator shaft. The, all the others, he was um, pushing them. And uh, it started with Sh- uh, Sean being Sean being uh, pushed down the elevator chest and as a person who has a twin sister and really close to her uh, romantic relationships think change things uh, with the person you are closest to so yeah that really resonated with me I guess 
Wow. wow. All right. Okay. So for those of you, again, a little recap. In season six, episode 21, uh, the psychotic episode, Sean is thrown down an elevator shaft mm -hmm. because Corey keeps having dreams about killing Sean. And we see Lauren uh, for the first time in some, some time. And I like what she said. The idea of Lauren being this other pathway that Corey could have gone down, the symbol of like what Corey's life could be in this other love story that he could have had had he not been dedicated to marrying the first girl who he felt was his soulmate. I like I, I like that. I like I that. thought she brought up a very good point that the other characters were pushed, but Lauren was the one that jumped. And when she jumped, Corey shouts, No, as if he didn't want her to go down the shaft. So I think all of those points are extremely relevant, even if we stay on this timeline that we're on. I think the fact that Corey was uh hesitant to say goodbye to Lauren versus Sean or anyone else. Um Interesting. A lot of interesting points. And you know what? I Again, they have reached out to us. Her and her twin sister have reached out to us a lot. Uh, the fact that we have international fans is crazy to me. The fact <laughs> that Boy Meets World has international fans is crazy. Um, so love their fandom and love that they uh, contributed that message because that was something that I I was thinking when I was watching the episode as well. I, I did not have that observation, but it's very it's very important to me to see that like her jumping almost symbolizes as she removed herself. You know, mm -hmm. like, like as far as Corey's mind is concerned, it's like, it's not that he didn't want that option. It's that yeah. that option removed itself from the story. Like it was something that just couldn't be if he was going to be with Topanga. Sure. And, and again, I think, I think that's so important because had at a young age, people who watch this show so dedicatedly and learn so much from this show had they actually been like hey there will be times in your life that you're tempted and you've been with someone and you love them but there is this other option on the table and that option may not necessarily be better may not necessarily be worse but it's just different and you're always going to wonder i feel like that's I feel like that would have been helpful. I don't know. I think that if when Lauren came out, because think about this, the psychotic episode was at the very end of season six. And you could almost say that Corey and Topanga's entire arc that they've been going through since they got engaged really started with that ski episode in season five. And it's kind of just been the ripple effects of that ever since. So to me, when we were like, oh, Corey doesn't really have an arc this season, it would have made a lot, I think the show a lot more richer for Lauren to come out and for Corey to make the decision of just like, no, you're not, you're not the one like telling her versus screaming for her to not jump would have just made the whole arc a lot richer and more fulfilling. And I was like, oh, all of this makes sense. Now. He has learned. He went from, I'm curious about this to now I know what I want in my life and you are no longer needed. Goodbye. There, there wasn't that arc. And so it would have been really nice to just see something come from all of this bullshit that we've seen. To your point, I think that if you, you, you're right, we've already noted that the proposal comes from Topanga, comes like mere days after her and Corey get back together from the show's own timeline. Yeah, yeah. Like they have not been back together since the Lauren incident for very long before Topanga proposes as a way 
to avoid going to Yale and really challenging herself and to hold on to Corey because uh, to your point, maybe there would be other Laurens. And if I don't tie this down now, who knows what will happen to Corey and I. And this entire season, in a way, has been Corey being like, I know I said yes. I know I went back and proposed to you, but the reality of that is so much different because when I was in high school, that was one thing. But in college, that's a whole other request and ask. And I really feel like season, uh, the season finale would have been a lot better if like the closing credits wasn't that whole Corey canceling the venue on there was, you know, Corey and Topanga maybe going in the kitchen and having a quiet conversation being like, maybe we rushed into this. And that's just being the way it ended. Cause it's like a perfect, like a perfect circle to everything that happened since the last season finale. That's it. That's it. You perfectly said if the I, I i love that so much because it actually would give this season an arc if the yeah. season ended with topanga going into the kitchen and saying Corey, i don't know if i can do this and then the phone rings and it's the vendor being like do you want the date or not yeah how amazing would that be yep talk about a cliffhanger like, and it makes Topanga an active participant in her own engagement. Sure. And yeah, I know what people are going to say, like, oh, that kind of comes out in season seven. Yeah, but it's kind of too little too late by this point. Like this season really needed to have like a, a strong message and a strong arc for these central characters. And like, it starts with his answer, her answer are the two episodes that start the season. And then it ends with like, just this kind of, hypothetical question in the era of it not working out but it just it feels like it would have been stronger for them to really give us that cliffhanger of them kind of saying this we rushed into this not only that hear me out hear me out you guys know what we do here it's all fan fiction ride with me season six finale is their answer Ooh, and that's the because one of the things that i love for those of you who know me know that i love um the show Steven Universe. And mm-hmm. in Steven Universe, there's an episode that it's called The Question, and there's a later episode that's called The Answer. Or maybe they're reversed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like either way, it is all to be like seasons apart. This is what the question was. This is what the answer is. Mm. And I just think that if we had started off the season with his answer, her answer, and then at the end of the season, their answer where they're both, or even the question. Where... I mean, their answer would also work for Feeney. Their answer would also work for any of these other relations. Like, it could still work. Again, or the question. Because yeah. we end with a lot of... So if that would have happened at the end... Oh, God. Talk about poetry. And what I'm saying is, in general, to me, that's what... that That kind of writing is what we want from Boy Meets World. Because yeah. that's the kind of writing that Boy Meets World is known for. And, you know, I, well, it's what it's known for. I didn't say oh, it's yeah, what yeah. it always gives us, but it's what it's known for. Definitely. And I really would have liked to have, like, that kind of poetry. Mm, mm-hmm. Magnifique. You know, uh, we're talking a lot about other people's responses to season six. Should we get into our recap of Let's season six? Let's get into it. Let's start off with our honor roll. Baby. Okay, okay. Honor roll. 
Okay, uh, as you guys know, we are going to run down some of the best of this season. Um, so, best episode from our ratings, our ratings, okay. our best episodes of the season were Hogs and Kisses and Everybody Loves Stewart. Complete tie. Complete tie. Interesting. Okay, because when I wrote my favorite episode of the season, I also put Everybody Loves Stuart as my favorite really? episode. Really? That was your favorite episode? When I was looking through all of the episodes of season six, I was like, never want to rewatch this, never want to rewatch this, <laughs> never want to. And I just went and I was like, oh, no, the Stuart episode I think is worth rewatching. I think that that has a lot of the heart of a season five episode. I think that... Um, it's probably the most relevant of all the episodes from this season. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of duds, bro. Like, I don't know. That was the one that I was just like, yeah, I would rewatch this. Um, but the others didn't really make that list for me. What about you? Yeah, well, uh, honestly, I feel like those are, like, I feel like the Everybody Loves Stuart episode is very complex. Mm -hmm. It's very adult. It's very... Let's have a boy meets world conversation. Sure. I feel like Hogs and Kisses is an episode we just enjoyed. Now, Hogs you know? and Kisses, to uh, refresh everyone, is the episode where Sean and Topanga kiss in the college uh, <laughs> the college recruitment video. They're making it for whatever reason. Underpants. Corey, Corey is just, yes, <laughs> dealing with the fallout from this. So that was a very goofy episode, and I think it had a lot of laughs in it, and I think that's why we, we probably enjoyed it. But, um, Correct. Yeah, Correct. I, I, I really... Uh, yeah, uh, but I there's no denying that um, there's no denying that that episode was specifically the Stewart episode uh, was impactful and and was impactful for I'll say Sean, Corey, and Topanga's relationship. Um, the other thing to note is that both of those episodes are like what November, October episodes. Like they were at the front half of the season, and like the season just doesn't get better. Like I'm, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's really funny to realize that. Uh, yeah, this season, the beginning of the season, we're like, yeah, and then it just like it just turns. Well, it, it seems turns. like post Christmas <laughs> they forgot they were in college. Like, it just never came up, up again. Like, there was never any issues revolving school, really, the way they were in the first half, or even in the seasons prior that led up to this. Seasons three, four, and five are all, like, so tied into their schooling. And then we get to the second half of season six, and it's just a lot of kind of relationship stuff happening outside the school. Uh, absolutely. What is your favorite character of this season? Chet. Chet? Chet yes. is... Chet's always an easy answer. Chet Chet's is, like... You, yeah. like, you guys know, this is not to say that Chet is a good character. <laughs> no. Just, he's one of our favorite characters. And to see him come in and leave on in, like, the most iconic of ways. Yeah. Uh, I, I will, uh, we'll get there. But, like, Chet is, yeah, I can see that. I can yeah, see that. he's my favorite character just because, um, honestly, I don't really like the arcs of any other character like even the ones that i think are okay are just kind of like i mean it's okay for season six sean like it's okay for season six eric but like this isn't shit i want to return to like i don't want to see these characters develop this way like i just don't see myself coming back to season six because of the character arc so if i have to choose a favorite character it will be chet because he's just so memorable and had such a unique symbol 
Okay, um, so I'm not gonna lie, there is one character that I'm gonna miss, and I am so problematic for this. I already know this, uh, but from the episode You're Married, You're Dead, Gamblin' Dan. Gamblin' Dan was hot. <laughs> like, like I just, I didn't have a lot to thirst over this episode, this season. Like, I, know. I don't have Turner here. I know. I haven't quite reached his himbo stage. So Gamblin' Dan was just one of those characters where I'm like, is it wrong and problematic? Absolutely. So Could I if use we, a little bit more screen time? Maybe. If we had a turned on by Turner <laughs> award um, and we can't give it to Turner, you would give it to Gambling Dan. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting is the way to put that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, he was extremely problematic, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, there's not a lot. There's not a lot, honestly. Most improved character. I'm gonna go with probably Eric. It's okay. gonna be my most approved. Simply because it seemed like towards the end of the season, he was really like putting he was thinking about his life. He was taking his life seriously. Like yeah. I think this dude yeah. really tried to make college work. He tried to make his like get a girlfriend and like live the life, like basically follow Corey's blueprint of finding a best friend and finding a girlfriend and just like doing the whole thing. Yeah. And I think he realized as the season went on that that just wasn't in the cards for him that way. And it seemed like he was actively at a point where he was about to do something about it. I'm not saying that we get to see that play out, but in terms of an arc, it seems like, and, and I mean, they mentioned this in Pod Meets World about how they were writing a spinoff for Eric. So it seems like he was the only character that they really had a plan for from the beginning to the end of the season. Sean, I, I would say it does seem like he has a planned arc, but his is just such a bummer. Um, and I know Eric's is a bummer too, but I think I enjoy seeing Eric mature. I enjoyed seeing him interacting with Tommy. I enjoyed just seeing like his range this season that we just didn't really get from previous seasons. So he's my answer. What about you? Uh, I don't, here's the thing. If I want to be honest and I thought about this, I don't really have a favorite one. Cause I, I feel like you most I feel like a most improved. I don't really have a most improved because I feel like all the ones that I wanted to give it to at some point in time, just didn't quite go there for me. The only one from the main class that I would give would be Sean. And that's because as you said, we do get some kind of like layers to him that we mm -hmm. haven't quite gotten. Um, we even have him start to challenge Corey a little bit, yeah. um, but that's quickly, you know, given up. And so what I wanted to do at this particular stage was kind of give like honorable, this is the honorable. So, Honorable mentions, which is to say Angela and Rachel. I feel like Rachel joining this cast, uh, it's really unfortunate what they do with her stories lines, but there is something to be said about having another uh, female character on the show that is uh, Eric and Jack's age. And that also just kind of like can make this feel like college. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I want to give another honorable mention to Dean Bolander. Introduced this season, and I feel like kind of took over the Mr. Turner slot in terms of being that 
other uh, contemporary for Feeney to kind of bounce off against, um, especially at the beginning half of the season. Um, I felt like, you know, I really enjoyed her presence. She fit in well, um, you know, especially during the Everybody Loves Stuart episode. She has a lot of Feeney tendencies in the way that she teaches and the way that she has relationships with the students. Um, so I just, I, I, I felt like she was a good add to the cast in general. And uh, again, anytime we get more female characters, it's always good. And to that note, uh, I had said uh, Angela in my previous answer, and I want to just expand on that. Like, again, I don't really feel like they give Trina McGee enough to do, but when yeah. she is on screen, she completely sells it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I just wanted to honor them sure, sure. a little bit because I feel like they do good work, even if they don't get the respect they deserve. I just want to say, I Angela's arc this season kind of, bothers me because they start with sean and angela going to school and then just being like okay you know what we're going to be in college we're going to break up and it just seems like i would have really appreciated if angela just had a really i guess a more firm a more confident stance um it just seemed like she was kind of being yo-yoed around by sean and kind of okay with it in ways that i kind of wish she would have uh you know had more of an agency and I, I don't know. I, I I was disappointed in her arc this season, but she does great work regardless. Speaking of disappointment, are you ready to move on to detention? Absolutely. Okay, so the worst episode of the season, per our own grading system, was Resurrection. Mm. Um, and that, we rated that with that. Which is crazy when I think about it, because in some ways, that is a part two um episode and in some ways you would think the whole joshua storyline would be more important but i feel like they just dropped the ball in so many ways in that episode um but oh also to to uh one of our fans credit i'm so sorry i don't have your name written down it's in my other notes but someone pointed out it was actually michael jacobs who plays the religious leader in that episode. So that right. that's that's interesting. Yeah, he definitely. shows up, he does a little M. Night Shyamalan cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his son later on plays Joshua next season. So I knew I do know that. Mm-hmm. I'm well aware of that. But I think that that was um, probably one of the best highlights of that episode. I don't know, that episode's all over the place to me. Um, yeah, I, you know, when I was thinking <laughs> about my worst episode, not thinking about the score we gave, I was like, oh, I'm kind of tied between your Mary, you're dead, my baby Valentine, can I cheer you? Um, but I, can I help cheer you? But yeah, Resurrection was just like one of those things where it was so hard to watch. It was so hard to excuse Corey's behavior. It was so hard to go along with the story they were trying to tell because I was just so distracted by his bullshit that like it, it really it like in terms of episodes, I never want to rewatch again, like that whole thing. And you know what? It has very little to do with Joshua. It has very little to do with Amy. You know, Amy is giving birth and and like the whole season is just like, oh, where's Amy? She seems like she's going through a lot. She's in her 40s. She's about to give have a baby. Like we should be showing this. We should be talking about this. And the moment Josh pops out, like we hardly hear from her again. We hardly hear about how she's doing. We hardly hear about what's the what the payoff is other than that she's just busy taking care of him while Eric is sleeping on the couch. Like <clears throat> there's just no emotional nuance to that story. And so like, I, I don't know. Like, I think we were supposed to feel a lot, but they don't pay off the characters enough for me to have an emotional attachment. I love that you said that. I would say that the 
the My Baby Valentine storyline and that bleeds over into Resurrection is in fact my least favorite thing of this season. Mm -hmm. And while it's, I'm in love with the potential of both of those storylines. But I don't know if you've seen this, there was a meme that was like, is the potential in the room with us? (laughs) Which is basically to say that potential means nothing if it's not real. And almost doesn't count. Yeah, almost doesn't. Dude, I got to talk to you about like just how much that song means to me one day. But anyway, um, yeah, I love the potential. The idea of Amy is in her late 40s having another child after raising two children who are in college and one who's almost out. What does that feel like for her? How scary was it for her? her pregnancy to not go the way that she thought it would go. Uh, Topanga trying to merge and make this engagement and family and be part of the Matthews work and nothing can go right. Like all of those storylines, even the idea of Corey and Topanga realizing that, hey, maybe we're a little too codependent right now. What is something that I would love to explore? But it takes us nowhere and therefore it's literally one of my least favorite uh, parts about this this season. Absolutely. Um, do you have a worst character or least favorite character? Um, I think the least favorite would be B. What is it called? Be mine. Be love. Be, be true. Whatever. Be That's true. A, wait, no, episode or character? All of it, <laughs> like, oh, like, okay, like, okay. <laughs> like all of it. I just was like, eh, eh, I don't know. I didn't need it. My worst character for this season, I think, is Corey. Um, I had a really hard time enjoying the season because of him. Um, I felt like that went without saying, but I think you're right to actually say it. Like for me, I was like outside the obvious, which is that outside Corey the was obvious, just, yeah such a drag this season so much so that you're right i feel like in a way if we remove Corey and Corey's storyline from most of this season it's we bad. have a better show yeah but they just they don't know what to do with him they and this is the problem that like a lot of television shows that have like your everyday average joe as like the central lead is like they're the least interesting. If you're watching, I mean, not that you should rewatch How I Met Your Mother, but Ted is the least interesting of all the characters. Like that is just a problem that sitcoms have when they make the lead be this like every man is that he doesn't have a strong stance, a strong point of view. And so I'm like, who even is Corey? Because this season he seems like such an asshole. He doesn't seem like he is the same kid that when I'm going back and rewatching the Pod Meets World episodes, I'm like, oh, I see the link. I see that charming kid who's like, you know what? I was wrong. Topanga, I'm sorry. I don't see that shit at all anymore. So, like, I'm just like, who even is this dude? So, it's funny that you say that because, again, not to judge the show too harshly because it did come out at a different time, blah, blah, blah. All the usual things. However, as someone who did a lot of rewatches of other shows during this season, mm-hmm. I think there is something about your character being a terrible person, but everyone else realizing that or the show itself realizing that. Sure. Like, so for example, let's take Mad Men, which I talked about earlier. In season six and seven, 
the entire thing is how Don Draper is in fact the worst and yeah. everyone just kind of pities him. It was like, dude, we were rooting for you so hard, but now we see that y- you aren't growing the way that we are all growing. And I feel like had the show taken that stance, I'm like, Corey's getting worse and people are starting to notice and they're starting to be like, who are you? Yeah. I feel like that would have been fantastic because that's what the audience is doing. Sure. And, and what you're talking about is a show that knows that the character is an asshole. When you're watching It's Always Sunny, they treat every epi- every character like, hey, we are the worst. We know we're the worst. We're going to play into it. That's part of the fun of this. Corey is not written. He's supposed to be the knight in shining armor. He's supposed to be the good guy. He's supposed to be the one you root for. And yet every episode, he's making choices where you're like, bro, that's not the way to go about this. So I, I don't know. And you know what? Honorable mention for worst character? Fucking Jack. Fucking Jack. Really? Don't know what to do with this dude. He okay. was either contributing to the sexism of Rachel the entire time or not having meaningful connections with any other character, including his brother. When Chet dies, they hardly even get into Jack's emotional state about it. And I doubt we ever revisit it from this point on. So it's just one of those things where it's like, he's not as bad as Corey, but if I had to choose a second, I just feel like Jack really didn't add a lot to the season that wasn't either problematic or pointless. And we're going to talk honorable mentions only because I can hear you. I can literally hear you in the future yelling at uh, the podcast. We understand that Stuart is literally the worst. So like, yes, Stuart, is, again, what, saying what is kind of obvious and like needs to be said. What Stuart did to Topanga, the position that he puts her in, the fact that he lies, like that entire story arc is a character who is terrible and i think it's upsetting because at least there is some kind of cathartic ending to what we see with him and we just don't get that where we need to and he was written to be a villain he was written to be the antagonist like it's different when the antagonist does something villain villainous (laughs) and you're just like yeah they're doing what they're supposed to do but when the hero is acting like a villain then you're just like bro, like, who am I supposed to root for? Like, your mom's giving birth. She could die. Like, you are still bitching about a Valentine's dinner from a year ago. Like, bro, grow up. I don't know. It's hard. Absolutely. Uh, To your point, it makes me remember, uh, I just started watching the Clone High reboot. I don't know if you ever watched Clone Mm -hmm. High. Did you ever watch it at all? No. All right, for those of you who don't know, Clone High was a MTV show in 2000. So that should tell you everything you should know right there. Got it. But anyway, it is a fictional universe cartoon of all of these clones from the past, like Abraham Lincoln, Cleopatra, Gandhi, like all of these characters were cloned and they were raised in like a modern society, hijinks pursue. Uh, That's like what it is, but they've done a reboot on the new HBO Max and- You mean just Max? No, I refuse. But uh, (laughs) they've done a reboot and- it's funny because it's 20 years after the original. Okay. And they even identify that their main character, who was like the everyman, who was the one that everyone was supposed to root for, all the other stuff. They put him in 2023 and everyone's like, oh, dude, you're the worst. Like, like everyone, like, what? You still say what? You still believe what? You still act as what? And he very quickly becomes like an incel character, which I sure. thought was hilarious because 
all they did was bring him from the 2000s to today and it was so obvious that he was the problem whereas someone who the time people thought were the problem i.e jfk who's like a very sexualized character he's like applauded for being sex positive and inclusive and honest and upfront and it's just like yeah that's how i feel watching this season where it's like we're supposed to root for Corey. <laughs> you know you, what you're saying was would actually be like the best version of girl meets world or whatever sequel series of just like Corey being an adult and realizing oh i'm actually the problem i'm actually the worst and every episode just kind of being schooled hi yeah i'm the problem it's me yeah. like <laughs> him just kind of like realizing all the ways he's kind of like ingested toxicity in a way that he didn't even realize and coming to terms with it like that just seems like what 30 40 year old Corey should be struggling with and dealing with in the way that i feel like would be really relevant and interesting to watch um but instead he you know acts he ends up and... becoming a teacher and telling people that socialism is that yeah uh trust yeah. me <laughs> he educates the future generation without ever taking a look at his issues so yeah uh okay uh graduation ceremony mm -hmm. we have some characters who have will leave us this season and will not return to the series so it's good that we kind of say our last goodbyes to them um the first being chet hunter which now now, now I, I yeah that it, does die this season but we know he comes back as a ghost yeah you know what i'm <laughs> counting him here because he did have his like final like goodbye here i know that even in like girl meets world he pops up girl meets world guys don't even bring up girl meets world right? i'm not <laughs> counting that as canon right now we'll get there eventually yeah. maybe but that's not canon right now so i'm saying that it's his last season and i want to give him his props now because I, I don't think we'll be able to do it next season Give him his flowers, literally. Give him his flowers, yeah. Okay, exactly. flowers only great. Okay. Um, next in our graduation ceremony, Tommy. Tommy was a big part in Eric's story. We don't see him next season. I Again, I know he comes back in Girl Meets World, but in terms of this series, this is the last we see him. And I do think that he brought out a lot in Eric and his story this season. So, yeah, I'll go mention him. He moved to California with people who would love him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And our last member of this graduation ceremony, Jebediah Lawrence. I I can't even tell you how I feel about Jebediah this being the last that we see of him. Because version two. Well, a oh, version two. Okay. So so that brings us to I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've been reading, but there's a fan theory out there that I have wanted to talk about. And I was okay. them. So, and it makes sense if we want to go there. There is a fan theory that Topanga has multiple parents who present with multiple faces because they were a collective, so to speak. Mm. And the reason why we see Jebediah looks different and her mom looked different in different ways is that it was actually a multi a, a poly family dynamic <laughs> I, I feel like that theory works if in like I don't know some ancient German language like Jebediah meant dad um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, just, they, I'm just saying I'm just they saying. do assign the three different actors who play her dad the same name so I do feel like that that's kind of a hard one to argue but I always appreciate a good fan hey how do we know Jebediah just isn't like the word manager 
or pastor or judge. Sure. You know it's what I mean? Title. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's Jebediah is a title. Whoever is <laughs> current reigning man in the household or or whatever. I just I just thought that was a interesting comment sure. because it actually here's the thing. What's funny about that fan theory is that it would actually suit Topanga's character, which we learned about in earlier seasons. The idea that her parents were this polygon um, relationship and she was raised by more than just a two-parent household. Honestly, that that would fit. It would hit, fit the hippie lifestyle. It would fit the people kind of always making comments, being like, they're weird over there. Like, it would make sense for a conservative middle America family to be like, those people are weird. Um, and for Topanga to like have that as a background. It would. I'm not saying that it Guys, is. I'm just saying that it would fit. <laughs> the hoops we have to jump through to try to make this shit make sense. Guys, it's ridiculous. Hey, Where I like going? jumping hoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is some of the, the my favorite part. And I just, people have absolutely been talking to us about this. I'm putting it out there. So when we enter into season seven, you guys can let me know. Uh, see if see if there's any pieces out there that support the theory. Of course. Of course. Um, so yeah, those are the those are the three that I can think of. There might be others. Uh, I don't know if Gambling Dan comes back. I don't know if we see Louie again. Um, but these are the ones that kind of uh, popped in the mind when I was thinking of graduations. Is there any character you could think of? I, I don't know. You probably don't know season seven well enough. You to know, know, I, you know I don't. Uh, Santa Claus? Like, I believe. <laughs> uh, who's the dude that uh, Angela went out with? I don't think we see him again. Yeah, we don't see him at all. Like, there are lots of, like, just in and out characters. There's lots of yeah. people that, like, the characters dated for like an episode that I know we'll never see again, like Eric's roommate. But um, for the most part, um, and the ones that we we truly got to know and care about, yeah, this is it's a sad. Yeah. Uh, final grade. Uh, I do want to touch on. Oh I wait, think... wait! Before we get to the final grade, do you have a bra award? Do you have like uh the most culturally relevant moment of the season to you? Like what you think? Um. So. <sighs> I think that this season is very complex because it brings up so many things that honestly we are still talking about and we mm-hmm. are still kind of like, huh, it's interesting that this is brought up. And I yeah. will I will say that um, the Stewart episode sure. is probably the one that will win the award. Definitely, yeah. Um, but... If we're going to talk about a moment where I was just like, really? It's the sidelining of the female characters this season. In general, yeah. It's just the idea that Topanga proposed and was trying to be a part of this family and had like legitimate concerns with Corey and the show just kind of ripped them off. It's the fact that Angela got dumped so Sean could date around and then they didn't really do anything with that other than say that Angela's pining. It's that Amy has a pregnancy later or um, around in her 40s and they don't really do that. It's the, it's the entire character of Rachel. Yeah, I was getting The entire character of her this season is kind yeah. of a brub of it. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like this season, I would say ironically, worse so than any other season. Definitely. Does not treat its female characters well. Definitely, I would say this is the worst one for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So final grade. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's so funny that you say that because I will let everyone know this 
was our worst ranked season <gasps> so far. Wow. Not so, surprised even a little bit. <laughs> so I'm going to go through our current rankings. Okay. So for season one, we did a 79.6. Okay. For season two, an 83.0, which means that season two, I would say right now, is our highest rated season so far. Is that right? I, I, I we, I'm just letting you know. I uh, we ranked season one higher than season two. Okay, no, never mind. Season three, it's 82.19. Season four is 81.79. Season five is 81.70. Season six is 79.1. So, wow. literally... So What's our order? Okay, so top to bottom, like what do we have on list? So top, uh, so top season is season two, followed by season four, followed by season three, followed by season five, followed by season one, followed by season six. <laughs> you know, I when you read it like that, I don't know that I stand by that. I don't know that I I truly after because I just rewatched season two because of Pod Meets World. I don't know that it's it belongs in that spot. But I think a lot of it has to do with just like our expectations as we're watching it. I think that like when we were going into season two, we were really excited to see all of the high school changes that like the Pod Meets World cast were a little like taken back by. I think we really loved entering that world. And I think entering that world was part of the reason why we kind of were a little bit more favorable to that season. We got a lot of new characters that we really enjoyed. But in terms of just like seasons to rewatch, I don't know that it's up there for me, but uh, it does not surprise me at all that season six is at the bottom of the list. You know, I'll say this. To me, it's interesting because I think one of the things that we do, as you said, I kind of like went into it. It was like, oh, I haven't seen this in forever. Let me rewatch with like fresh eyes. And as I'm further from those seasons, I can actually be like, oh, but there is a lot of good. With the mm-hmm. season that we just had where it's just like, I don't know, maybe four really good episodes. That's forgiving. like, That's yeah, <laughs> out of 22, we're yeah. just like, oh, whereas in season one, I think we graded it so harshly because we were like, oh, there was a lot of filler. There was a lot of like what finding felt like, yeah. yeah, finding their voice. In season two, they really seem to understand. I think that I even think of season three a little bit more fondly. Like, I'm Definitely. like, oh, seasons two and three and four. Again, like, we start to really go somewhere with the characters. Season six, I have just been like, what are we doing? Where are we at? Yeah. Who I, are these characters? <laughs> you know, in reflection, I do think that the core of the show, seasons three, four, and five, are probably just the best that we're going to get of this series. Um, and it's so interesting because if you would have told me before we watched season six, I was like, oh, it'll be towards the bottom. But like now I'm just like the very bottom of the list. And season seven will probably be under season six. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's inspiring. Um, really looking forward to that. Either way, yeah. you know what, you guys, let us know which what your ranking is. Um, yeah. By the way, I, there are a few more things that I want to address before we wrap up. Um, one, Homework. I don't know if you have any, but I just want to say to everyone, I have watched the end of Succession, the end of Marvelous Miss Maisel, and the season finale of Yellow Jackets. I have just, I've just mm, consumed it all. No, 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 no. Mm. And I have to say, we are currently in a writer's strike. I believe we are soon about to have an actor's strike. Sure. I think that we are, in fact, entering, like, the end of an era in, like, 
really good television. Mm. So I look forward to seeing what that does to our interpretation of season seven. Like, what is television if it's surrounded by bad television? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, you know, uh, for example, like, I, I remember what was what, when did season four of Stranger Things come out? Like last season, summer or something like that. And we were just like super hyped for it. We had like a big watch party for it. And I was just like, dude, I just don't really see there being like event television like that anymore. And to your point, like, you know, when you're not being fed, you know, good art for the longest time, you start to settle for scraps. And so I, I too wonder how that will make us feel. Um, you know, television is going to be the first thing we feel from the strike. Um, movies, we probably won't really feel the effect of that until a little bit later. But still, it's going to be like a little bit of a period there where we go through an entertainment drought. So it'll be interesting to see how these worst seasons fare out in comparison. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to say? You know what? I just want to give a special shout out and a thank you to all of the guests that we've had on for Yay! season six. Um, just a quick shout out to Yasmin and Jamar and King Prime, Chris Lord, Nettie Smith, uh, Caitlin McKillop, uh, Danielle and Jackie from the No More Late Fees podcast, uh, Dimitri from The Keg Show, uh, Kevin slash TJ1. If, I think that's everyone. If we missed anyone, I'm so sorry. But we just had a fantastic guest this season, and we're really excited for season seven to, um, you know, bring on some interesting guests to have really interesting conversations. Season seven. I mean, I can't believe we're we're, we're talking about it because it's the end of the road for us. Like we've been doing this for years, and we're finally getting to the last season. And I'm so excited. And I know we have a lot of surprises that we're gonna we're gonna throw in. But yeah, it's 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 been a fun season. I appreciate everyone for giving their voice, uh, all the guests that we've had and their opinions and their insight. Um, because you've definitely made this show more richer of an experience for us. And uh, yeah, on to season seven. Absolutely. And as we're on to season seven, I will ask you guys, uh, stay on if you've been listening for a little more announcements. There are a few things that we really want to like share with you guys. So first and foremost, as we've told you guys, um, we have merch. Make sure that you are checking that out and that you are going, seeing our show, order, let us know what you guys think. Let us know what else you want to see. We don't have it now, but we are working on a turned on by Turner shirt. You yes. know this. We're letting you know right off the bat. It's coming. Um, and then also we have a discord. You guys asked for discord. Oh yeah. We have the discord. Uh, so meet us at Brummy's world hashtag, uh, nine, four, six, three. That's point bruh meets world nine, four, six, three. Uh, I will let you guys know right now. Uh, we have no idea what we're doing, so please help us out. Uh, you guys, if you want to be a part of it, help us build this community. We love being your fan cast and creating conversations and just having a space where we can talk about all things Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World, Pod Meets World. We're here for you. Reach out to us. We absolutely just, we we enjoy doing this and that's why we do it. Absolutely. Um, and then we also have our road to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. You guys have been really great with this. You're helping us. We're moving up slowly. Uh, but you know, you guys continue, reach out, subscribe, and make sure that you are thinking of us uh, while you're listening to Pod Meets World and their episodes. You guys have been really good at communicating that as well. Can we just pause for a second? Because I just <laughs> want to say this, that this season of our show has been really interesting because, you know, for years we did, you know, seasons one through five 
pretty much feeling like we weren't getting any attention. And this season, we actually got to multiple times meet with the cast, talk to the cast. It has been a crazy experience. I'm still pinching myself at the idea that this really happened. The fact that they invited us back to the show for season two recap is crazy. Like, I, guys, you know that we are just the biggest fans, and it's still a pinch myself moment to think that all of this actually happened, especially within this last season. So as big of a dud as season six was from a Boy Meets World standpoint, from a Bruh Meets World standpoint, I think this is probably our greatest season, and I'm Again, could not be more excited for season We're really happy to be on this ride with you guys. We look forward to being on this ride with you guys in season seven. Um, As I said, there's a little bit of an announcement. We are going to take a hiatus between uh, season six and season seven. As most of you know, I have some personal things Mm -hmm. that I'll be doing over the summer, um, some of which I will not be in the country for. So I'm going to take some time. We're going to take some time. Uh, But don't worry. We will still be around giving you guys um, the occasional summer episode, uh, lots of extra credit. We have lots of new things going on. And as I said earlier, we still have merch. We still have social. We now have Discord. Uh, we're still here, you guys. We just won't be releasing episodes until later on this fall. So We're also going to be actively working to make season seven the best season we possibly can. You guys have no idea. We are thinking about surprises. We're trying to think about everything possible so that we can go out with a big bang and make this just like our our, our, our swan song, like our last, our last you know. Absolutely. I, I'm so sad that it's coming <laughs> to an end, but it's, it's also like kind of incredible that we've been doing it too. We... As always, really appreciate you guys. Thank you for reaching out to us at Bra Meets World. You can find us on all of the places, um, anywhere that you've heard the podcast, as you're doing now. Uh, find us on YouTube. Find us, reach out at brameetsworld at gmail.com. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we leave them for the summer? For um, the summer! For the summer. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? I really don't just, again, thank you to everyone who's been listening. Make sure that you share our, our episodes. Make sure you share our Pod Meets World episodes and join us for our farewell season at the end of the summer when we come back um, around the time of the 30th anniversary of the show. So it's going to be a lot of big things happening. All right, you guys, remember to dream. To try. And do good. Do some damn good, you guys. You have the whole summer. Make something great of it. Do something good. All right. Later, bros. Later, bros. You can click Alf. <laughs> when this boy meets world.